the moment you start to open up your wounds, they begin to heal. You give God a moment to come and touch your heart and heal him. Welcome to Jesus and Juliet. I am here today with a very special guest that it's an episode that I've been waiting to record. And I'm just so excited to be here with Vero Duta, who is here to record with me. And we are going to have a conversation about grief and about walking through hard times in our life. So hello. Hi, Lara. Hi. friends. Yes, we became fast friends really fast on Facebook. Yes. The so, small village. Yes, it is. It really is. You really yeah. do get to know people when you're part of specific groups and things. Mm. I like Facebook for groups. I think they can be helpful. I mean, they can also be a little rowdy, but yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, like I said, I've been meaning to record this episode because. Um, And I know that in my last episode, which was a while ago, I briefly mentioned that I had a coworker of mine pass away and I didn't really go into it. And as you can tell, it's been a long time since I have uploaded. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that is because I've just really been going through some stuff and I wanted to, for a while, kind of do an update episode where I'm just kind of telling you what I'm going through and going through that. Um, However, I, because this is so hard to talk about, I didn't want to be on here for an hour crying. Haven't you guys listened to me blubbering on and babbling and, and not getting anywhere. I really wanted to be informative for anyone who's listening and, and maybe going through something similar and just have us walk through it together. And so I decided to go ahead and bring Vero on as a guest. Um, She is an emotional intelligence coach, and we will learn all about her and all about emotional intelligence. But I thought it would be really nice for us to work through this together and really give my listeners a path and some insight and really just to let everyone know that we are all in this together and God has plans for us and God has, he's had plans for us since we were born. And so thinking about that and thinking through that um, is just life-giving in itself. But I think that we could all use a little help. So hello, Pharaoh. Um, That was a long intro. Um, Yeah, not so long. (laughs) So I would love for you to tell everyone where you're from, and a little bit about yourself. Good morning, everyone. My name's Veronica Nduta, as Lara has mentioned. I'm all the way from a country called Kenya in Africa. So it's wonderful to be here. I'm a born-again Christian. Uh, I'm a mother. Today is a great day for me. I turned 49 years old, and I'm excited about that. (laughs) Uh, I'm kind of mourning my 40s. But looking forward to what God has in store for the 50s. So I'm running my last leg in this 40-year-old journey. <laughs> so I'm born again and I'm a mother to a 10-year-old, a baby girl. And uh, that is another exciting part of me. 
I gave my life to Christ like 30 years ago when I was still in high school. And so it's been a very wonderful journey just to walk with the Lord and learning different kinds of things. As Lara mentioned, I am an emotional intelligence coach and we will try and see and unpack that. It's a big word, but it's something that is so easy for us to understand this morning. So we'll get to it. I'm always excited to learn new things. We had someone on that talked about human design and I love when someone comes on and I have no idea what they do. And I'm like, teach me. Cause I, yes. I think that, I think that there's a, you know, when we get into our, like our little niche, we think everyone knows what it is and, and really a lot of people don't. And so I'm really excited to also just shine a light on emotional intelligence coaches. And so can you tell me what is an emotional intelligence coach? What is emotional intelligence? Before I get to what emotional intelligence is, let me just um, get back to something and like just talk about mere emotions. We have three primary colors when it comes to colors. Now, when it comes to emotions, we have four basic emotions. And these emotions are mad. That is the feeling of something is unfair or unjust. Sad, the experience of loss. Glad when we get things that we are looking for and afraid something bad is going to happen in the future. So basically, those are the four emotions that we deal with as a basic and everything else seems like to just come and join in them. Uh, What happens is that uh, emotions is more of our mental state. They just arise. We don't even need to have any conscious effort for your emotions to come alive in a situation. Like if someone bangs a door in the house, immediately an emotion will just come. You don't even have to try and feel it. So it is so unfortunate that um, emotions just happen. They occur so naturally. We cannot avoid them, yet we do not take time to reflect about our emotions. So I wanted to just bring that out of the importance of emotions. There's so much part and parcel of us, you will not go a day without maybe recording down on a notebook if you decide to consciously like look into the emotions you've gone through from the moment you wake up to evening, you will be able to see how much emotions have played out in your life. And if we do not learn how to master emotions, then they can mess us up because they can, they can be of a manipulative nature. We go to emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence is actually being self-aware of your own emotions and learning how to manage them. If you become aware of your emotions, then you know how to manage them. Then you go ahead and you go a step further and you're able to identify emotions in other people and you're also able to manage uh, emotions in other people. So basically, that's what it's about. But uh, I like it taking it from us uh, from a Christian angle, which we are going to reflect somewhere as we talk along, because managing our emotions has so much to do with wisdom. If you're a good student of the book of Proverbs, you will see the emotions that come out and you will see what how we are required to handle those emotions. For a Christian person, emotions boil down to having wisdom. Wow. That was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I say that is because I think that when you're like, they're going to be there. The emotions are there. You can't Mm -hmm. stop them. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we hear like, 
you need to not manage them, but you need to not have them. Like you need to not get sad about this, or you need to not get angry or you you know what I mean? Like a lot of times it feels like because we have an emotion about something, like we're not supposed to have an emotion about that. That wasn't supposed to make you mad. That wasn't supposed to make you afraid. You shouldn't have felt that way. But in reality, like it's like our body is what our body is. Like they're happening. Whether, yes. whether you like it or not. And that's perfectly normal. So that kind of struck me like it's how ha- you can't press it down. It's in your body. But also the fact that we don't take time, which is so, so true. Like I think really we don't take time to, and maybe you can answer this. I think there's a difference between taking time to calm down like, let's say you're mad. Taking time to calm down is different than taking time with your mad self <laughs> and processing what you're feeling. Those two things are different, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. One, because I'm in Jesus and Juliet, I'm going to bring Jesus into this scenario. <laughs> and uh, let's take, for example, anger. How are we told to deal with anger? The Bible does not ask you to deny anger. It says, do not go, do not let the sun go down when you're still angry. Right. So the reason that we are not able to handle our emotions in the most appropriate way, it is because we are not in touch with what is our value system. So if my life is governed by God's word, then I know that my value system requires that I let go of anger before the sun goes down. And so I have to confront and deal with anger. I cannot hide from anger. If my value system is based on God's word, then I will take my feelings of unforgiveness through the filter. What does the Bible say about forgiveness? And so the value system says that I should love my neighbor. And so I start looking for strategies of how do I manage this kind of feeling? 30% of the people in the world are conscious about their emotional intelligence. The rest of us are still working on it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's it's not something that um, you're born with. If you're born, if you are like living in an environment where people are emotionally intelligent, then you easily pick it. But then it's not so automatic. You can develop your emotional intelligence by what you practice and being deliberate about it. So every emotion that comes It comes at the right time and it comes for the right reasons. But the response is what makes the game, becomes the game changer. For example, we started this talk and you were talking about, I don't want us to go away from grief (laughs) because that's what we were talking about. Yeah, Is grief normal? Yes. Is grief normal? It is normal. It is part of us because we love people and then these people are taken away from us. So what is the right way to handle grief? There is a process to handle grief. And the first process is very good because it's denial. You will not want to believe that this has happened. So I remember the first time I became so cautious of maybe death in my family was back in 1994. And I remember the first thing that happened is my uncle was involved in a road accident. We were with him over the weekend. And then on Monday, he was a truck driver. He goes and he just is involved in an accident and he dies. And this was like, he grew up with us. He was like my mother's last born brother. 
At the same time, he was like our firstborn brother. He's the guy who was looking out for us. So when this happened, my first reaction was denial. And so I was, no, no, I don't think so. I don't think this phone call is right. I don't think what people are saying is right. Let's go to the site. Let's see this. And that was normal. But now that was 1994. If I'm still in denial today of my uncle who died in 1994, and I'm still in denial, there would be something so wrong with me. Right. So when we come to grieve, we go in stages. You don't rush through the process. But you do not overstay. The moment you decide to overstay in a particular stage of your mourning, then it begins now to manipulate and to work against you. So the next stage after dealing with denial, it's the anger. And in my, in my many losses, I've had to lose a lot of people in my life. I'll tell you about the anger that I dealt with when it came to my mom's death. That was in 2008. When my mom died, my mom had served God. She had loved God. And then she died such a painful death with colon cancer. And my first reaction was anger. I was so annoyed. I was angry with God. I asked God, is this, is this the reward of those who love you and serve you? Do you just allow them to die like dogs? You know? And uh, what I realized with God is that uh, he does allow that anger to come out and for you to talk. But I also realized that there's also a space and a timeline, even with God, for how long you can handle this anger. And so I began behaving like a spoiled brat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you actually get away with it for a while. And then God says, uh-uh, enough is enough. Now let me deal with this. You need to move on. You need to move on to the next thing. And I remember the next step of my grieving process was the bargaining bit. You start to bargain. And uh, for my uncle, I remember bargaining and telling God, God, please let him come back as a cripple. I can handle having him on the wheelchair. I will take care of him. Whatever needs to be done, I will do it. I was bargaining just to have him alive. For my mom, it was very difficult for me to bargain with God because I had seen my mom go through so much pain. My mom had gone through so much pain. You all know how aggressive and how cruel cancer can be. And then came my brother who died in 2015. Now, this is not my elder brother. This is my younger brother. And there's nothing as painful as when you're burying someone younger than you someone who was looking unto you for protection. And for this one, it was quite brutal because I found myself going to the morgue and asking them to cover him, to cover his cold body. I felt that he was feeling so cold and I just wanted to be there. I felt like I had failed him. And that one really took a toll on me. And that one I bargained with God. I said, God, my brother was not born again. He did not know Jesus as Savior. Why couldn't you take me? I was willing to die instead of him. I did major, major bargaining. Now, if you dwell in these three stages long enough, denial, anger, and the bargaining, if you do not have your emotions being checked, then you end up into a very bad state because you end up in depression. And this is where the enemy gets us. This is where 
we get finished. This is why we start getting medication to help us sleep better. But that is not where we really are. There seems to be something wrong. And what I would point out as wrong is what is our value system? If I truly believe in this heaven that we talk about, shouldn't I rejoice when my mom rests knowing that she's with their father? Why would I believe to a heaven that I do not want people to go to? Yes, it's understandable that I want them here to continue loving on me, to continue being there for me. But then there's a conflict of what we say, what we say we believe in, and how we are acting around situations. And so that's when depression checks in. When we are not careful, it will check in and it will take us down the drain. Right. But then, but then there's the beautiful place of where we belong. And that is the fifth stage and the last stage that I will address. And this is acceptance. God, we have accepted. God, we are not mourning like we are lost. We are mourning like we know who you are, like we know that the place they're going to is beautiful. And the moment we start to accept, that is when we open our hearts to be filled with the peace and the joy of God. And that is where we belong to have a wonderful state of peace of mind. I just want to accept that grief is normal. Mourning is normal. The pain and the disappointment is normal. But then we are created to handle this. We were not created to be ruled by our emotions. It's the other way around. We are supposed to master our emotions. It may take time, but then we need to know how much time will it take? How do I deal with this? How do I process these? And most of the time, it's not easy to do this on our own. And so we need tips and we need strategies. And one of the strategies that Lara has is to talk to someone. Now, that's a big plus. Because the moment you start to open up your wounds, they begin to heal. You give God a moment to come and touch your heart and heal you. So I think we're on the right track. We're talking about our pain and about our loss. (laughs) Right. I think I'm in like a few of these. (laughs) It's so hard to know. So when my coworker slash friend passed, so we had worked together for four years and she worked. So I run kind of our fine arts department, which is dance, music, theater, art. And she was my music teacher. She, she taught music under me and I get the call that she's passed, I'm, which we all thought she was okay. She had just been in the hospital. She had just been released. So one, it was a shock. It didn't even make sense. So then I like run down the hall at school to, to the first office that's open. That is my boss's office. And I'm just like crying and I'm shaking. Cause I'm like, what did I just hear? And we work at a school and we were also co-directing a musical at that time. So I also was supposed to teach class in like 30 minutes from that moment of her kids. I was supposed to teach her students. It was immediately into, this is what we need to do. This is the next step. Yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? It Because we work at a school and there's other people involved. And so it's it was very much like, this is what's going. And, and so I get shuffled off to a room like in the back because I can't be seen by anyone because I was a mess. And, um, and from that day through the end of the school year, 
it was like, I'm now having to interview teachers to replace her. I'm having, I now have access to her email. I have to tell, I have to tell other people that she's passed. I, and it was, it was just like, go, 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 go. I had to finish directing an entire musical that I am not a musical person. I am a acting coach. Like I, you know what I mean? And so I'm having to lead these through these grieving students through this. And so it was so much go that by the end of the year, it was like pouring out of me. Like I couldn't contain anything. It was everything that was mentioned that had anything to do with Stacey. It was like, if other department heads were talking about hiring people, I would immediately think of how I have to hire to replace Stacey. Like I, you know, like it was everything made me cry every little tiny thing. Cause I hadn't been able to really move past anything. And so I think that I've experienced grandparents passing away. Um, my uncle passed away a couple years ago from alcoholism and he was in his forties. I've experienced hard. My grandmother just passed away. I've experienced hard deaths, but I didn't see those people on a daily basis. And I didn't like, it's like, I feel like being at the school, I will never not think about, I will never walk by the piano and not like see her playing. I knew I was going to cry. She's everywhere because she was, I will like never forget her walking by my office. Like, and I'm like, do I need to quit my job? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I've worked there for 10 years. Like, am I going to be like this for the next, however long I work there? Like at what point am I going to get over the fact that she's isn't there. She's not at school. Like I see people that look like her. It's, it's different for me because it's that daily, it's the daily reminders that are just so hard to deal with that I haven't had to deal with. I don't, all my family members that have passed, they all lived in different States. I didn't see them on a regular basis. I didn't talk to them on a regular basis. She's the first person where I've, you know, had just text her. I mean, we, we text on a daily basis and, and we had gone through really hard things right before she passed. And so, um, which is a whole nother issue that I have, but so basically, yes, I don't know like where I am in this. And there's like a feeling like, like I'm on this roller coaster and I can't like get off. Like, it's just going to keep going and I will never be okay. And I'm just going to like, keep having to like suppress things and, and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I'm sorry about that. How long ago was this? Um, She passed away in March. She was very young too. I'm just going to brief you on the different ways that we mourn different people. And maybe I can help you understand why this is so difficult for a colleague. When we mourn our parents, our grandparents, we are mourning our history because of they carry where we have come from, the things they have taught us, our history. You'll always talk about those things that you did with them in your growing up and all that kind of thing. When we mourn our siblings, and our spouses, that becomes the most difficult of it all. So there's a group, the siblings, the spouses, the friends. 
those three, it can be quite difficult because these are your everyday. These are the people you fight with and make up with every day. They're your everyday. They're the people who understand you the most. The third way, the third group that you mourn differently, and maybe this is the worst, <laughs> it's when you, you lose your children because you're mourning your future. Why? Because you had dreams for these children. You had aspirations. You wanted to walk your daughter down the aisle. You wanted to do a lot with your daughter. You wanted to take your son when he's going for his fast dance. And so you'll always be looking at to the future when something is happening, like uh, 10 years from today, it will still trigger, oh, this is the day he would have graduated. Mm -hmm. So you will mourn the future because that is what death has snatched from you. So where you are right now, your present, your friend, the person that you would see every day, the person who understood what you're doing professionally, the person who embraced you, it's as bad as losing a spouse because it's someone that will always pick the phone and, you know, and just like you're saying, you have SMSs, you have messages that you had, uh, texts that you had exchanged. So this is someone who is so present in your now, your now. And you're saying that uh, you're a teacher and you're working like in a school, let's say seven hours. This person you're spending with seven hours is not even as much as you spend with your own family. So somehow they have become so much like your family and part of you. And because of how we talked about the emotions that we go through during the day, this is someone who has shared in your anger, in your laughter, in your every emotion for seven hours before you come home. And even with your family, you won't spend those seven hours. You'll spend a few hours all put together and the rest of it will be asleep. So I know where you're coming from and I feel what you're talking about. But it's just so recent, even for you to deal with it. So it's possible that you're still in the denial stage, that that is why you are able to keep seeing her in everything. You go to the piano room, you see her, because you're still in that denial stage. So what you need to start having is to start having strategies on how to deal with this. Step by step, start recreating these memories that you had with her. Now you have to start recreating the moments that you had with Stacy. And the way that you recreate this is, one, if it really gets bad, make sure you have a support group. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure like as a couple of teachers, you all were close. And you can sit down to, with three or four of these teachers and just have like maybe on a lunch break, and just start discussing the things that you remember about Stacy, mm -hmm. the good stuff that you remember, the, the stuff that made you laugh. And that kind of support system makes way for you to start dealing with it. When you start sharing your story with others of things that you did together, you will find that so many people are just being quiet, yet they are, they are sharing in the same kind of pain of wondering who do we talk to try and relieve some of the memories 
ask maybe the students to actually, because I'm sure the students are going through the same thing. Right. Have half an hour with them. Let them express what they're feeling. Then you realize that you're not in these alone and that you do not have to do these alone, that you're surrounded with other people that love Stacy. And people can do different things. People can write letters. Others can do drawings just to recreate the good memories and to remember the good memories. And it becomes a good way to just deal with most of these things. You're better doing it with others, not on your own. And you can decide to do something in her honor. That's another tip. He said, we're going to do something in her honor. Maybe the things that she was passionate about, maybe organize a concert in her honor. Raise that money and give it towards something that will always remind you so that you don't feel like you failed her. Because that's a big question that is really going on in your mind. What could I have done? How come I did not pick this? Right. And I remember you've just talked about your uncle dying of alcoholism. My younger brother died of the same and the liver just gave way. And I kept asking, what could I have done different? I had talked to him. I had talked to him. And I remember one of the big questions I kept asking myself, did he die knowing that he was loved? So for the longest season, I could not delete the messages that we had exchanged. And I could always go back and look and say, "How? what did he understand? And no, of course, I can't get into his heart and his brain and get to know what he understood with all these And I think one day God just got fed up with me and I lost that phone. (laughs) (laughs) So I lost lost a lot of memories that I was trying to hold on to. So the other thing is you have to keep taking these emotions to God and asking him for his peace concerning this situation. But the moment you open up and start talking even to the other students, they will tell you exactly what they feel and together you will be able to do something in her honor. Right. And now you start to create and remember the good memories. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that whenever you said that we need to like sit with our emotions, mm. you know, take time with them. I think that mm. was the thing that maybe is missing and mm. going back to that when someone is feeling something, what, what does it mean to take time? I think for me, I'm a steps, like I'm a person that's like step one, (laughs) (laughs) sit down. Um, but, (laughs) but when, when we're going through emotions and does that mean, um, we are supposed to just think about the situation, form a way to solve it, or what what exactly does that mean to acknowledge that emotion and take time with it? Uh, you're not trying to solve anything. Oh. You're just being you're just being Lara and you're just living your life. That's huh? the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so how how you live your life, don't approach it like I'm trying to solve this emotion. I'm trying to solve this anger. But 
you sit down and you just have some introspection. Why am I feeling this today? Be curious about your emotions. Don't let them pass. Either they're good or bad. And by the way, they're not good or bad emotions. They're all emotions. So just get curious about your emotions. Okay, I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this? Okay. How can I deal with this today? I'm not trying to solve any problem. How can I deal with this today? And so I decide today I'm really feeling like I wish Stacy was here. Then what would you be telling Stacy if she was there? Then open your journal and do a letter to Stacy. Mm. One thing I'll tell you is that there's a clear distinction when it comes to living a Christian life. The Bible says that uh, the living and the dead have nothing in common. So I would not advocate for you to start talking to her. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what feels natural. Yeah, it feels, that's what feels natural. So yes, (laughs) like even the day that she, the day that she died, I had been at school all day and then we, we, we released the email that day to the community and we were having people, we were going to have a time where students and parents or whoever faculty could come up and talk to grief counselors. And this is all like that day. So I found out that morning and then like had to go into planning mode immediately. And so I had a moment I needed to go eat. I hadn't eaten all day and I was driving and I remember driving driving back and I was like, um, and I, I remember feeling so natural to talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> Why yeah. do we do that? I want, and I feel like I need to. <laughs> I know from a psychological aspect. And if you talk to a psychologist, they would tell you that, yeah, you can communicate with them. But when you come to dealing with an issue from a biblical point of view, then you know so well that there is no way that you can be talking to the dead when you're living. Right. The Bible is clear about that. There's no relationship at all. Right. So the best way to then talk to them is write your emotions down, write them a letter, because there are things that you feel you should have said. And that's why we end up saying a lot of these things at the tribute. But we are not talking to that person we are, because that person can't hear us. We are talking yeah. to those who are in our lives. Like we want the parents to know that this is what we felt about your daughter. This is a kind of person. This is a kind of friend she was to us. And so journal that stuff. Journal yeah. that stuff. Before long, when you will come to edit it a year from today, it becomes poetry that you can write that will bring healing to other people. Right. So journal, journal, and then sit down and narrate these stories. I love writing stories of things that we used to share with my younger brother on Facebook. He was the family's clown. (laughs) (laughs) So he made a lot of jokes. And uh, at times when I'm remembering him, I write these jokes on Facebook. And they make people laugh and they put a smile on people's faces. So something that was intended to harm me and bring me down 
I have somehow managed it over the last six years. And now I'm using the same to bring joy and smiles to other people as we remember him. So I'm not creating a worship around him. I am just ensuring that I am remembering the good parts. I also remember the not so good parts of how we grew up. We grew up with um, a lot of poverty as a family. And it was painful, but I would always remember how he would sacrifice whatever small, if it's a cookie, he would be, we have to split it because you are hungry and I'm hungry. Right. You know? Right. And and before long, you start seeing these as values that I can teach my own daughter. She's our, an only child, sorry. She's an only child. So she may not know what it is to have to share with anyone. Mm-hmm. But as I talk to her about the tales of how me and my younger brother would sit down and share the last cookie in the jam and split it out, then she gets to understand values. She gets to understand what love is all about. So she's able to see a sibling where she does not have a sibling. So eventually all these emotions, when we slowly by slowly learn to handle them in a good way, then they become values that we can teach to others. But for now, you're just writing as raw as it is. You're writing what you're feeling, you're journaling what you're feeling, what you're going through. Six months from today, it won't be the same. You will review the same. If there was anger issues where you're asking God, why take such a young life? Then six months from today, you will see something very different. I remember we were talking about one of the ways when you're in a very bad situation, one of the ways to cope is to look at the worst case scenario and ask yourself, what would have been the worst case scenario? And then you ask yourself, person, the person that you admire the most, how could they have handled this? You know, the person that you think has it all together. Mm-hmm. How could they have handled these? And I remember one of the ladies just said, well, for us, we need to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And of course, Jesus is not in the same league with us. But many times when you go to that reflection and you ask yourself, what would he want me to do? And maybe there's another Stacy that God is putting in your life. Someone that God wants you to love on and to consciously be there for them. And so in moments when you're feeling like, oh yeah, I wish Stacy was there, then you take the time to reach out to another Stacy that you can see God is planting in your life. Yeah. And just small efforts, small efforts, small efforts. One year from today, you will tell us a different story. I hope, I hope that is helpful. It's very helpful. Mm. I, you know, what strikes me is how the simplest things like journaling yes. is not something that we think of. Yes. Because as soon as you said that, I was like, write a letter to Stacey. <laughs> Why haven't I done that? Because I have so many things to share. I, I do have all these um I think when someone dies suddenly, you have 
these loose ends that you feel like didn't get. I always think about how, so she, she ended up in the hospital. She was having heart attack, like symptoms and she was in the hospital and in ICU, but then she was released and she had, she has three kids and she was going, um, her family was going on college tours for her kids. So she was somewhere else. She was in Houston, I think. I can't remember now, but she was in a different city. So anyway, she gets released. She comes back home. She comes home to Austin. And um, and so she's resting. And her she was supposed to see a cardiologist the day that she passed away. And she passed away in her sleep. But someone said, oh, because we're planning a musical together. And, and someone was like, you should text Stacey and ask her this thing. And I said, no, I don't want to bother her. So, you know, cause I'm like, I want to let her rest. That has eaten me up <laughs> because I'm like, I could have had one more interaction with her. You know what I mean? Yes. That yes. has eaten me up this entire mm-hmm. time where I'm just like, Oh, Laura, mm-hmm. like, why did you not just reach out that one last time you could have been mm-hmm. like, you know, and said mm-hmm. something and been like, Oh, you know, mm-hmm. I hope you get better or some, anything like I could mm-hmm. have said anything positive, but, but I didn't. And does that change anything? No, it doesn't. Like, yeah. you know, my interaction with her wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily going to save her. And that was, you know, mm-hmm. that was what, what God wanted at the time. And mm-hmm. I can see why he wanted her because she was amazing, but, but it's those little things that eat at you. Like, <laughs> You know, and you're just like, oh, and I think that when you mentioned journaling and writing a letter to her, it's like, duh, <laughs> like I don't have any other word for it, but why did, why did I not think of that? I have done everything else. I have, I have listened to scripture. I have done, um, I have a prayer journal that I fill out according to scripture, but mm. But I, you know what I mean? Like I've tried to do work on my own, you know, nothing like that. Or even, you know, the feeling that you don't want to, one, there's a feeling where you kind of don't want to bother people by mentioning all the little Mm -hmm. things. So like Mm -hmm. one day I was at home and I used this app to, or this website to take notes and all sorts of things. And I hadn't opened it in a couple months and I opened it and like, it was a bunch of notes from like a meeting that her and I had. And it was like, ask Stacey this and like to do's right surrounding her. And it just like, Oh, and I like wanted to tell someone, but like, you don't want it. Like that's so tiny to someone else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, I need to take this to God. And that was the other thing is I'm trying really hard to to take things straight up and not to talk to other people. And so there's also that kind of wrestling where you're like, maybe I don't need someone else because I'm supposed to take things straight up to him. But like, there's (laughs) something missing there. I don't want to say like, it doesn't work because that sounds so bad, but there is something to talking to a person, you know? And so that's part of it. Also, there's a guilt in the fact that I'm still mourning her because mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, she has a husband and teenage kids that are mm-hmm. 
wrecked. And so it feels guilty that I'm still having so many issues, you know, <laughs> like I, I had only known her for a few years and it's not like we weren't, you know, best friends type of thing. Like we still had a work relationship, but um, I mean, it was a work friend relationship. We talked about other stuff, but you know, so I feel like almost guilty that I, I'm, that I'm still processing this. I don't think you should feel guilty. You need to take as much time to deal with this, but in the appropriate way. But uh, I think it's good you're mentioning that she has children and a husband because that may be part of where your healing would come from. Just letting them know that you're there to listen to them and to walk with them and to just cry. Let them know that if you ever want to cry, I'm here because I'm also crying. Right. That is now the support system that you can offer them and they will offer you in return because you're all in the same situation. You see, one of the way the enemy works is by, by putting us in a place of fear so you're not talking to the other person and you're afraid of what will they think of me? After all, I was just a colleague. Who am I? I'm not entitled to feel this way. But basically what you're just telling me is that you're human and that you met a wonderful colleague that you have had a wonderful relationship with. And that is one other way that uh, you can also let her legacy live in her children. You spent seven hours. Remember I said that. Uh, You spend so much time with your work colleagues than you do with your own family. So meaning you had so much time with her and she went in the evening to her family for a few hours and same case to you. And maybe the kids just need to hear what kind of a person she was in the office. Mm -hmm. And who will tell them? Who will tell them those stories? Who will tell them those jokes that she made in the office? What made you people laugh? Right. Because they will also grow kind of clueless, wondering what would my mother want me to do? But if they have this community surrounding them of people who knew their mom in terms of work ethics and who she was outside the house, then that's a great support system for them. So you just need to talk to God about it and you just tell God, thank you for this opportunity as I reach out to these people. May we have a wonderful fellowship. We thank you for Stacy. And you also need to think about the worst case scenario. What if they were, I'm sure you've heard of these stories where by a whole family of five just gets on the road and they crash and they die, all of them. Mm-hmm. And so another thing that I'm going to ask you to practice is gratitude because mm-hmm. it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. Right. What if she didn't die peacefully in her bed, but then ended up being in hospital forever, just having so many complications, and you had to watch her waste away? Think of the worst case scenario that this thing would have gone. Right. Yet God granted that she would die in her sleep. And so you need to have a gratitude jar and start to write these small notes now to God. Show your gratitude. Thank you, God, that Stacy did not maybe die in such a painful way. Thank you that you spared her family. 
Thank you that she lived to see her children up to this particular age. Thank you that she was able to get the medical help that she required at the right time. The moment we start filling our hearts with gratitude, something takes a 360 turnaround and we start expressing something else and we start helping those around us to move on and to live just a life of gratitude. Because by the end of the day, it's inevitable that any of us will live forever. My grandmother died last month. She was 100 years old. So after my mom having died, then my younger brother followed, then my dad followed. My grandmother was the only family that I had. And anytime she would complain of any ache or something, I would just tell God, please don't take her. You know so well that you took. I would take God on a guilt trip, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell God, you know that you took my mom, you took my dad, and you took my brother. You can't take my grandmother. Yes. And my grandmother had already turned 100 years. And then she started having problems with arthritis. And as painful as it was, I was, God, I don't want my grandmother to suffer any pain because of my own selfishness. And so death is inevitable and we can only cope better. I keep telling God, well, I want to be caught up in the first round, (laughs) in the first rapture. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and I keep being very sincere with God. I I don't want to go over 90 years and start having pains and aches all over. And uh, I tell him, allow me to serve you for this number of years and just take me nicely home. I keep telling him, God, I've already suffered enough. I don't need any more suffering. But whichever path that God chooses, do we see him as sovereign that he knows? I like reading Jeremiah 29, 11. But I read it in the message translation version. I know most people know the NIV says that uh, I know the plans that I have for you, they are for good, to prosper you and to give you a good end. But the message translation says something very fantastic. It says, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) You need to read that in the message translation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like, and so, <laughs> yes, you wake up and you're having your rant. And then he says, I know what I'm doing. I'm seriously, <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, my friends, my friends like joking with God and they tell God, no, 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 God, you've not been married. <laughs> so you don't know, understand this. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. But having the confidence that we know the one we have trusted in knows what he's doing. Right. Then you can say, God, even in this situation, I give you thanks. I don't have to understand you. I keep telling people that Christianity is called the faith, not the understanding. We were not called to understand anything. Right. But to walk by faith and not by sight. So we can give thanks in all situations. 
we can be happy in all situations because we know that everything by the end of the day comes to an end. No matter how much we want to live forever, it will come to an end. It is just a matter of when, you know? Right. But the more we draw near to him, the easier it becomes to deal with some of these things. I know the other day, my friends were quite worried. They thought I was losing it because my grandmother had died. And I'm one of those people, I delay, I delay the mourning process because uh, I'm an administrator by brain. Mm-hmm. So when death happens, I'm the one in the family organizing, getting to know mm-hmm. how the service will flow, how everything will happen. And after that, after organizing and after the funeral is when I take my time and I do my battles. I won't say it's easy, but it's a process. But we can trust the one who is holding our hand in this process. And step by step, he will show us small, small things that we can do to just make a day better and make the day of, especially right now, Stacey's family better. Right. Because you can just imagine if you're having this flood of emotions, what about the ones with the blood connection? Right. Yes. Yeah. So there's a reason. There's a reason that things happen. There's a reason that we're having this discussion. Because most likely you'll be the person to reach out and be besides them through the years, no matter how long it takes. I really feel like God bless this conversation right now. <laughs> awesome. To him be the glory. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you mm-hmm. so much. Where can people find you? Because I think you're amazing. <laughs> And I am now a super fan. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm completely humbled. Now, uh, you can find me on Facebook as Veron Duta. Maybe I'll give you the link. Okay. Yeah, but I'm just Veron Duta. You can be able maybe to pass that round. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you again. And it has just been the biggest blessing for you to be a guest on on Jesus and Juliet and I just thank you so much from the bottom of my heart it it was um, so helpful so thank you it was wonderful to be here and I look forward to coming again and having these conversations in a year we should do it in a year (laughs) yes yes and then we can say look what the Lord has done (laughs) yes